Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey guys, it's Mish from Mission Zach's Leguizamarama. I just wanted to slip in really quick here and say this is your spoiler warning. There will be spoilers, I guarantee you. Do not listen if you don't want spoilers. Thank you. Peace. I hate the word. I got, I got one leg and a pocket ticket. Yeah, put a little cornstarch on my werewolf, man. Luigi Mario. Hello and welcome to Mission Zach's Leguizama Rama, a podcast where we watch every week a film by the act with, with the actor John Leguizamo. Uh, maybe he's acting in it. Maybe he wrote it's anything he's been in. We went on his IMDb and we do. Uh, we watch it every week. Every week we watch a film starring or featuring John Leguizamo, and then we talk about it. It's a three-year project. My the name is. The script was so good. You yeah. had it everything down in the script. Yeah, but and you know, all of a sudden gotta... now you're like, nah, man, nah, man. What what the fans want? What the fans really want? They just want us, man. They want but authenticity, like, you know. That was so pretty many good. People have already stopped listening. That was pretty good. That was pretty solid. I'm joking. I know it was bad, but I'm kind of playing to it now. (laughs) (laughs) You're such a comedian. I I thought to myself, you know, should I pull up the script because I keep fucking it up? And I'm like, nah, it's a bit now. (laughs) It is a bit. (laughs) People are going to remember you for this. They're going to go, here he goes again. And here comes Mish. Oh, it's Zach's week to do the intro. Zach's week to do the intro. What a kooky guy. Um, If you don't, if you are not familiar with this podcast, if you're you're listening because you've maybe binge watched all all six episodes of Misha's Netflix show last night um, uh, and you are just joining us, basically, uh, my uh, my name is Zach Wayne. Me and my best friend, Mish Wittrup, every week we watch one thing starring our favourite actor, John Leguizamo, and then we talk about it. Uh, it's a project that will take three years all up, um, maybe more, depending on his output, which is high. We've maybe learned. less if this Netflix series really takes off for me. You and would I just really leave do the that. Little man you would, behind. You would really drop me like that. I don't know, Zach. Would I leave the little man behind if my Netflix series <sighs> takes off? If I Zach? was in your position, Mish yes. Wittrup, I would. Um, I would stick around. I would stick around Aww. with you. Uh, Zach, I would too, man. Thank you so much. Um, now, the, the, the best part of this uh, intro is, is uh, again, if you're joining us for the first time, which you're not because we do not pick up listeners, we lose them. Uh, if this is the first time you're listening, what, what we do now is in the intro, I'll say, my name is Zach Rowane. You might know me from, and then I'll say something funny that I've been involved in. Um, uh, this is, of course, based on... Um, the reviews that we or the descriptions we were writing about our last podcast, I loved it so much. I loved Misha's jokes so much. I thought, let's bring it onto the podcast. Let's bring it onto the thing. Um, and it has been an abysmal failure uh, because I cannot... I, I've already tapped into the ad I did. I think I've said the ad I did for my Catholic high school twice already. Like, I'm literally done. 
I, That's okay. I have plenty to say now because I can say that I'm the star of a successful Netflix series that was, if, if our scheduling is correct, mm-hmm. came out yesterday. This and it was highly successful. And now I'm going to ride this fame wave. So they, they tell, they've told you already the numbers. They've given you an indication already. Yep, yep. So in, in the 12 hours. Yes. So hypothetically speaking, this is being recorded in real time. It's not been banked in this yes, situation. That's, right. that's how you've, we record the podcast. You've yes. really bought. Okay. So, um, so right now it's. Day two of your of your Netflix show, Mish Witchup's yeah. Big Old House of Fun. Yeah, less than twenty four hours though since release, I think. And and how did Netflix let you know the the detail? I thought it took them. I've about been a on month. the phone with them in real time the whole time. They're right now. They're on hold. Listen, listen to the hold. Wow. That's Netflix on the other That's line. That's pretty baller to put Netflix on the line. Well, if, yeah, it gets pretty crazy. But um, I'm so successful now off the back end of this Netflix series um, that Netflix is willing to be on hold for me forever. So in 12 hours they were getting the numbers. Yeah. Yeah, they were telling me them as they were coming through. They're like, here's one, here's two, here's three. (laughs) Wow. And now it's it's seven billion. That's that's, that's literally impossible. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Unless it's literally impossible. Yeah. I've I've done the impossible. The impossible dream. <laughs> so um, but no, it's it's really really successful, and so it should be because I worked really really hard on mm-hmm, it. It's mm-hmm. taken me and my friends years and years and years to get to this place. Um, I am a bit nervous about the release that happened yesterday, oh, I but can um, I would like to think that my friends would tell me that I shouldn't be because you're worth. I am worth every single. Um, bit of positive recognition that I get for this because I'm very funny and deserving. Oh, look, I'm really, I'm really proud of you, Mish. I think you've done a wonderful job. The bit here is that it's Mish's Netflix show, not Auntie yes, Donna's. By the way, it's, if, it's, you, if you are tuning in for the first time, which if you're you guys not. are really, really confused, just a really quick note, guys. Mm-hmm. So just coming close. Okay. Really quick note. This is a joke. This is a bit. By the way, because Zach and his friends, Auntie Donna who are also my friends, and I'll make sure I let everyone know that now mm-hmm. that they have a Netflix series. Mm-hmm. They're releasing a Netflix series. Well, we released it. It's actually it. been released yesterday. But we recorded we, this two weeks ago. We recorded this two weeks before you heard it. But they're releasing it. No, they've released it. Jump on and have a watch because they are worth it. We just thought it would be funny as a way to promote this Netflix series mm-hmm. to pretend that it's mine. Mm-hmm. And it's mutually beneficial because people will then watch Zach's Netflix series, mm-hmm. but then people will also maybe think that I have I I am worthy of one, <laughs> which who, is who? Just anyone could possibly like people who don't. You're just know getting that, in their head. You're planting yeah, the seeds. I'm getting in their heads. You see, mm. and they're going to be like, "Oh, Mish, she doesn't have a Netflix series, but that confidence is making me think that she deserves one." Yeah, that's what it's all about. You know, that's what it's all about. You've just got to be confident, yeah. and you've just got so, to yes, believe. We're going to keep this bit up for a little bit, that it's my Netflix series, but let it be known here that I don't have a Netflix series being released yet. Yet. Not yet. Um, I let feel it, let like it be my known. trajectory is going to be I'll probably have one on Stan first. Or a pilot. Like that was my trajectory. You might get a pilot, a pilot. on Stan. No, I think I'm, a, I'm like, I feel like I'm more of a Stan girl. Yeah, I understand. Than a Netflix boy. Yeah, I understand. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah, I you, you, my friend... You know, you know, you know I am, uh, I am, 
a movie girl in the body of a Netflix boy. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> movie, a little bit too obscure of a reference there, I think. Like, But hey, if you're coming to Mission Zach's Leguizamarama, you're here for the obscure references. Mubi, of course, the um, art house film, uh, the art house film streamer. Streaming service. Streaming yeah. service that only ever has 30 films on it at a time. They, they take one away at midnight. They add one at midnight. It's a rolling sort of curated selection of art house films. Put it this way. If Mubi was a person, mm-hmm. they would be one of those wankers mm-hmm. that um, walks around in like Hessian. Mm-hmm from head to toe, Mm -hmm. hasn't bathed in like a week Mm -hmm. because it's their right to not have to do that, Mm -hmm. but then also spends like $50 at a French patissiere. Yes, yes. If Mubi was a person, it's the sort of person that would complain about the cost of housing, that would talk about their left-wing ideologies, yet somehow... They are wearing designer clothes. Yeah. They're the kind of person who would have a very, very thick debate with you about some things that they've read on a wiki page, have some really thick political debates about, like, you know, uh, socialism, mm-hmm. but then they'll get in their, their uh, beamer that their dad bought for them. Do, does this make sense? That They are frustrated. They think left-wing ideologies are, are there in order for them to get a slice of the pie that they're going to get when their parents die. This is the sort of person we're talking about. Another metaphor, if Mubi was a human, that I think would work. If Mubi was a human, it would be the type of person that would sign up to Mubi eight months ago, not watch a single thing on it, but never, never get rid of it out of like some sort of guilt and shame because they they know that one day they're going to watch all the things on Mubi. Yep. And Mubi is also the kind of person that would say, Netflix, I don't have Netflix. I have Mubi. Yes. If Mubi was a person, (laughs) they would go, um, they would say something along the lines of, man, ever since uh, Netflix started doing originals, I just got rid of it. My Criterion collection is enough for me. Yeah. If Mubi was a person, they would have a Criterion collection. If Mubi was a person, and I've got it now, yeah, Mubi would spend a ridiculous amount of money on expensive Derwent pencils, mm-hmm. have them displayed on a very messy desk, yeah. but has absolutely no desire to ever use them. Yeah. If Mubi was a person... <laughs> They would, like, do a lot of Instagram posts uh, of them with a bottle of Verve every weekend. Yeah. If, if Mubi were... was a person, it was me at 20 and Zach at 19. And now. I have Mubi. I signed yeah. up to Mubi eight months ago. Uh, I've mostly described me. Yeah. Uh, I am, a, how you say, a wanker. Hmm. And it's yeah, good. See, but how, how amazing is it, though, that... You are Mubi, but you have a Netflix series. Yes. Yes, I am. So understand. we'll go back to doing the bit about it being my Netflix series. But. Your, your Netflix series. Yes, no, I understand. Well, because I am Mubi and uh, I am Mubi and maybe some other members of my group are Channel 9 and we meet at the middle at Netflix. Yeah, that's good, though. That's, that's, what, very, that's, that's very what Auntie good, Donna is. Zach. <laughs> That's very, very good. 
Well, anyway, congratulations to me for my Netflix series. If you guys haven't checked it out, go and watch me uh, on Netflix. Uh, it's called Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun, Congra- and it's my series. Congratulations again, Mish. You're so good in it. I binged it last night. I binged the Thank whole you. thing, which is what Thank a you. true fan does. Yes, a but true if I fan. if I hadn't have binged it last night, I would be watching it this weekend yeah. and encouraging my friends to do so. Exactly. And if you are a true fan, a true fan, yes. you will binge my Netflix series. Yes, yours. And yes. then you will go and binge every single podcast I've ever done with my friend Zach to ensure that Zach doesn't get left behind. Oh no, you don't have to do that. <laughs> no, no, I really, really Mish, think Mish, that this that's is fun. your time. Let let me just step aside for a minute and let just ha- take this moment, Mish. All right, I tell you what, this is this is how we're going to work it. Okay, I'm gonna ta- I'm gonna take about a month. Okay, where it's only going to be about me. Okay, but you best believe that in a month. Mm-hmm. When's that? December eleventh. Yeah, we're folding we're folding Zach back in. Oh boy, yes. Yeah. Yes. Because friendship, ladies and gentlemen, is a scorecard. <laughs> Never give without marking that chalkboard. <laughs> anyway, 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 we're here anyway. to talk about John. Enough about my Netflix series. God, it's all just going to go straight to my head. Um, <laughs> we're here to talk about John Leguizamo and his amazing film, I've Forgotten the Year. Ninety six. No, I'm. I've. You know what I've done. I've. I've pulled up. I've pulled up the wiki for the film. So, oh, that's good. so you, when you say I've forgotten the name of the film, I'll go ninety six. You'll say I've forgotten the director. I'll go Tony Scott. You'll say I've forgotten the genre. I'll say sports psychological thriller. <laughs> that is a very. But it is a genre though, and we will discuss that. Oh um, yes, we will. So as Zach has confirmed via his wiki page, we're doing the fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, one I was also, not going to lie, a bit excited to watch. Uh, yeah. um, I don't know why, but I was. Um, I'm, I'm reading blurb today, guys. Yay. Mish is reading blurb. And I, and I have to say, before you jump into blurb, uh, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, it's 1996, but I do think we need to also just frame the Legu- Leguizera that it, it belongs course. in. And yep. this so is... Oh, yes. We've, we've discovered that there are three very, very defined... Legs So far. This is what we so know far. so far. Now, obviously, if you listened last week, you, you know this, but so far we've got three. And what were they, three. Mitch? We've got baby legs. Baby legs. We've got hot Luigi. Hot Sexy Luigi. Luigi. Sexy hot Luigi. Luigi. And we have dad. So we've got, I remember we called it dad Guizamo. Yeah, we have Dad Guizamo, Sexy Luigi and baby legs. Baby legs. And was there a pun on... on 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 hot hot leg was leg was I've forgotten hot, what it was. Guizamo we'll was it hot Guizamo? No, that maybe it was work. sexy Guizamo. Who knows? I like I like hot Luigi. This is sexy good. Luigi. Yeah, sexy I think Luigi. Sexy Luigi. And so yeah, guys, scrap everything said in our previous podcast. Yeah. We're going with baby legs, sexy Luigi, and Dad Guizamo. Dad Guizamo. Now we Great. do believe there might be eras. Um, it, it, there's a sort of a dark ages there. We do believe there might be eras between Sexy Luigi and Dad Guizamo. 
Yeah. Uh, I think he still is in Dad Guzamo, but I couldn't say for sure. There's yeah. there's a there's a sort of a blurry time around the early two thousands exactly where where things fall. But we do know for a fact that Baby Legs um, finishes at least ninety three. Was there a ninety three film? Um, yes, yeah, so we uh, that's when Whispers in the Dark came in. Right, yes. So we know that by then he was Sexy Luigi. Yes. But if you watch Miami Vice, which is late 80s, mm. he's baby legs. So, so somewhere, between, uh, somewhere between those two projects, he transitioned from uh, uh, baby legs to Sexy mm. Luigi. And, like, controversially maybe, an even uh, harder uh, time to pick is between Sexy Luigi and Dad because we haven't really gotten there yet. Like, stealing cars, full dad. Mm, full dad. Full Dad Guzamo. And, 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 and I know there's a lot there, of confusion here as well because he is still, like, he's sexy dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's pulling off the cardigans. He's, he's working it. But, yeah, exactly where that falls because he's still sexy Luigi on Sesame Street. He's still yeah. sexy Luigi in Mulan Rouge. So early 2000s, he, he hasn't hit Dad Guzamo yet. Yeah. Um, and I think he's sexy Luigi. I don't think that's a separate era or anything. There's, there's no. He's still very much in that sexy Luigi. Sexy era. Luigi for sure. So yeah, we're we're really excited to see. Does he does he swap over around the mid two thousands, or is there an age we haven't discovered yet? Is there a hundred percent sort of uh, older brother sexy kind of appeal? You know what I'm saying? Is there? I'm like so a, excited to find new ones. You know. Yeah, uh, and that's what we'll be finding out. That's what we'll be discovering. But right now, we're talking about a movie in the sexy Luigi era. Definitely sexy Luigi. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so uh, as Zach confirmed, it's called The Fan. Mm -hmm. And here's your blurb. A troubled knife salesman with a short fuse named Gil, played Mm -hmm. by Robert De Niro, is dealing with a messy divorce and a really awkward, tense relationship with his young son. As Gil's life falls apart before our very eyes, he finds solace in a deep obsession with baseball and one of the players who plays the baseball game. San Francisco Giants' newest recruit, Bobby Rayburn, played by Wesley Snipes from Tu Wong Fu. (laughs) Gil's obsession becomes violent and really, really, really creepy. For example, he kills Benicio Del Toro in a sauna so that Bobby Rayburn can wear his number on his baseball uniform. Mm. Gil also has an underground lair full of newspaper articles and photos of his baseball crush. John Leguizamo plays Manny, Bobby Rayburn's manager, I think. I'm not good with sports and stuff. He follows Bobby around (laughs) and organises interviews for him and discusses stuff like signing contracts. That's a manager, right? He wears glasses in this movie. He does. Hmm. Oh, Is it a manager? A, I did see him as like he was more, yes, I think he, he was well, uh, in the Jerry Maguire, uh, of the Jerry Maguire ilk. In fact, I'm curious when Jerry Maguire came out. I think it was 96. Yes, That's right, based- right. So this was, the, this was the era, if you were a fan of sports, um, of sports, sports management, but of like of, of sexy sports managers... Yeah. Boy, oh boy, were you having a good time at the movies in 96. Oh, 100%. Can you imagine if you're just like, there's just not enough movies about sexy sports managers. And then before you know it, it's 1996, 95, 96. And all of a sudden you're inundated by sexy sports managers. Which is what I need to see right now is like 
um, you know, like sexy, ego-driven sports stars and then their sexy, cool sports manager. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> okay, so um, what I will say about this film is I got super excited for this because it looked to me like another fucking sexy thriller from mm, the 90s, mm. which we all know that Mish fucking loves. Mish loves Mish is a sexy me. thriller. Yeah. Love a sexy thriller. And I watched the trailer and I was like, holy shit, a sexy thriller with fucking Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes from Tu Wong Fu and John Legs. This is great. But, but I will say about this movie okay. that it's much more about sports culture and management <laughs> than it is the thriller aspect, especially for the first half of the film. The first half of the film was like, it was just like, to me, Mm -hmm. a documentary on sports management. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I, I, uh, that's, yeah, I feel you on that. I, I, I have a, there's something I really love about, I, I watched half of this movie and then I had a Zoom call um, with just someone in Hollywood, whatever. Uh, that was really gross. Was it about it my Netflix series? Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> um, um, no, but I had a I had a Zoom call, and and the person on the line, I was talking about the fan because you know that's what you do when you jump immediately from watching a film into a into a business meeting, mm. and um, and I was only halfway through. And he'd just thrown the knife at the cockroach, and Nine Inch Nails had started playing, and. Um, that was a scene in the movie, by the way, not what happened with Zach and the person over the phone. Oh, you don't know that. It, it could have happened. Like he was suggesting, it sounded like he was suggesting that some hot shot from Hollywood, mm-hmm. right before you started your chat, threw a knife at a cockroach and started playing Nine Inch Nails. Right, yes. Well, that is what happened. And I said, hey, funny story. I'm watching a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you would do that because I'm, I just saw that scene in a movie. No, yeah. but um, the guy was like... Uh, um, he was like, uh, it, does it hold up? I really liked this movie, does it hold up? And I said, it's actually really funny because what I've realised is with this sort of movie, because what my answer was was, so far, yes. So far, it's a very complex, interesting exploration of sports culture, of toxic masculinity um, yep. and how it... It gets warped and it's gross and the gross element of these sorts of uh, cultures and specifically the toxic masculinity around it. You know, as someone who grew up in a rural area and maybe wasn't the sportiest kid in town, it's something that I find really intimidating and fascinating, right? So I was like, I didn't say all this. I was like, yeah, it was great Um, because it was a meeting. Um, But what I was going to say was I was like, so far, yes, it holds up. It's really, really interesting. But you never know with these movies until the second half. You never, ever know which way it's going to go. And what I've realised is I I love the first half of movies like this. 
Um, I can say it for for Joker when that came out. I can say it mm. for this. I can say it for Carrie, the horror movie Carrie. I always love the tense build-up and I rarely or or most of my problems always come from the release of that build-up. Oh, I, I hear what you're saying, but when it comes to a sexy 90s thriller, um, yes. it's always about the second half. Well, you want the weird ways they get to things, how they justify shit. Like, that's the shit I want. Uh, and for 100%. Sure. Like, and that's the thing. I think that there was an element for me where I was, like, watching it. Because I, I, I really, I, yeah, like, I was watching it and I was like, all right, let's see where this goes. And then I was like, oh, okay, Nine Inch Nails and, like, cool De Niro. And, and, then, and then I was like, all right, actually, chill out. You thought this was more of a drama. It's, it's a bit more of a Tony Scott thriller, which, you know, sh- you should have guessed from the fact that it was directed by Tony Scott. Um, <laughs> and then once I came round to that, I kind of really had a good time. I had oh, a good, very good time with the film. Yeah. But what I would say is I, 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 you never know with these movies. You never know. The first half, it's always like a really interesting exploration. And then it's like, basically the question is, is it going to be, is it going to be like, um, taxi driver? Are we going on this journey and then we're going to feel sick and gross and it's going to be really full on? Or is it going to be like, um, all the other movies where it's like, yeah, get him, <laughs> get him to the hero. Yeah. And this yeah. movie kind of straddled both better than I thought it yeah. would. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think, I think there's something to be said of uh, De Niro playing the De Niro he knows he's just very good at. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? How many like, times has De Niro done this performance? Oh, fucking, this is his, this is the equivalent of John Legg's doing like a, you know, shitty B-grade fucking dramedy about some bullshit like paying the bills i'm paying this is this is robert de niro's a pyromaniac's love story yes do you know what i mean de niro's just like yeah fuck it i'll do a wesley snipes film (laughs) called the fan yeah i can smash this out for you in three weeks if you want like yep let's just i'll read the scene before i jump in kind of deal although i'm sure robert de niro's probably a bit more professional than that but he's a fucking creepy guy Like, he plays creepy guy really well. And I will say what I thought was really interesting about this movie is it's kind of – it kind of is a window into toxic masculinity before it was publicly recognised that toxic masculinity is a really bad thing. Yeah, like, as a – I think that's a very – like, it's a very interesting point is that it – there's – so often – the amount of films that you watch where it's like, oh, this is actually an exploration of these themes and these ideas. And, like, mm. people probably remember this movie as, like, oh, it's hard to be a white guy or it's hard to be, like, <laughs> a, a, you know, a middle-aged, straight, white, yeah. cisgendered male. But actually you watch it and, like, he is not, like... Like Gil, Robert De Niro's character is like a right cunt. Like he, oh, a hundred. He is the villain. Yeah, like there he, is yeah. a exactly. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I think uh, the the concept of 
um, dealing with things with violence, <laughs> like the we need to fix this problem, I'll do it with violence. Um, I've just found out about this thing and I'm angry, I better deal with that with violence. I feel like this movie, it was done that way of being like, yeah, this is how we do it. But now that I, anyway, as a 32-year-old woman, have a better understanding about what toxic masculinity is and the impact that it's had on society, can watch that and be like, oh, that's unhealthy. Oh, that's unhealthy too. For a movie where that wasn't the point. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But I also think it kind of was. Like, Admittedly, maybe um, Nine Inch Nails is a little bit cool. Like, they played admittedly- Nine Inch Nails four times, the same song. And it's that, what's it called? Close it's like up. the I wanna fuck you like an animal, that one. The which most is just popular like, which is a great song, but entirely inappropriate for this movie. Like, oh, there's yeah. just a bit where he's like got a knife to a little boy and it's like that song. It's like, Tony, I know you like the song, but have you listened to the lyrics? Like, Yeah, that's what I thought as well. It's like there's a point where he's sitting down and he's looking at newspaper clippings of like past baseball matches. Like, I want to fuck you like an animal. I'm like, nah, wrong. That was wrong song. And it, what's <laughs> so funny song. is like everything that uh, Trent Reznor had done up until that point, every single song in his au revoir, would have worked for this film. Like, Mm -hmm. every single song that Trent Reznor had done up until that point is about, like, um, whether it's about it or from it or whatever, is about, like, that frustration and the the position the world puts men in and the the sort Mm -hmm. of toxic way it twists them and makes them all fucked up. And I love that he literally could have picked any song and it Mm -hmm. would have worked... So he picks the one about fucking. It's like, this is a movie about an old dude who likes a baseball player. Yeah. (laughs) Why'd you pick the fuck song? Like, admittedly, a lot of other people don't get the song. It is the fuck song, but it is the gross fuck song. So, yeah, like, it's kind of hard. It's 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 gritty. It's gritty. It's as inappropriately used as that song is always inappropriately used, but for the opposite yeah. reason. It's like usually, usually that song is used for fuck scenes and it's like, no, this, this is a gross song about like yeah. male, but it's like, it's like finally someone gets that this song is about like male privilege and like gross possessiveness, but it is also about fucking. So it's not right <laughs> for this film either. <laughs> yeah. It was like, we need something super, super gritty. Like we need a gritty song that really like fucking jabs you in. And it's about sex. It just doesn't, it, did, it didn't make sense to me. But it was nice. It was a nice little kind of like homage to the 90s because that song. It's very funny. It's I want, a- I'd love to know how many movies that song has been in. I would love to know the number of that. Can you think of any others? It's in Where a Nine lot. Inch Nails. It's in yeah. a lot. It's, it's also, I mean, this, uh, the film also opens with, I feel like you can't have a conversation about this film and overused songs because it, it opens with Sympathy for the Devil. By Rolling Stones. I don't know that one. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and da da Pleased to meet you. Don't you know my name? <laughs> I don't know it. Oh, my I God. Don't... Really? It's like, yeah. it, it's one of those ones, like, I almost want to look up how many songs it's been in. I read somewhere once. So it's a great, great song. It's really, really, uh, really, really interesting. It's very. It was a weird choice for them and everything. Anyway, mm. blah, 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 blah. I will say this just very quickly, mm. that Nine Inch Nails, that song, has mm. been in Seven, the movie Seven, 
the movie The Crow. That's great. It's been, it's been in The Walking Dead. Yeah, that makes sense. Again, another one. Like, I'm sure that doesn't f- suit the TV Unless series. there was a fuck scene. I mean, Walking is Dead there, is like, many... If a zombie is like, I'm going to fuck her, yeah. 100% play Closer by Nine Inch Nails, 100%. But I haven't seen The Walking Dead, mm. so correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's zombie sex in it. No, but no, no, but there are like gross men in it. There are like gross, evil, violent men. Sex and men. I presume there's a lot of fucking as well. That's all I would say. So maybe, maybe um, uh, Denny from because um, I believe Denny from, uh, from Grey's Anatomy, Grey's Anatomy is, is is a is a bad man in the uh-huh. zombie show. Maybe Denny from Grey's Anatomy playing the bad man has a sex. Sounds with like one Denny has an amazing range. Well, Denny can be the bad man and Denny can be the nice man. And yeah. this, is the, this is why we love Denny. And we were so sad when he died on Grey's so Anatomy. So sad when Denny died. Oh, my God. Sorry. Oh my God. Do you remember? Do you remember <laughs> the first time you saw Izzy, Izzy try and save Izzy Denny's on. life? And, and then Denny dies while she's wearing that pink ball gown? And she's just lying there. They walk into the room and she's just lying there. She's next to him. She knows he's gone. Oh, Shonda Rhimes, you bitch. If I lay here. Just be there. We're back. We're back. It's 2005. Everyone shut, everyone shut the fuck up. If I just lay here, will you lie, you lie with, with me, me and just, just forget the world? And then there's like, and then, no, 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 no. And then there's a cut scene to like a couple of people talking in an elevator. And then it cuts back to Denny dead and Izzy there. Forget what we're told before we we'll get, get too old. Show me a that's into life. Can I just say um, it is near impossible to sing along with someone over Zoom because of the split second delays <laughs> and the fact that we're pulling it off is like giving me a hard on. <laughs> We're professionals, by the way, guys. We're professionals. We're professionals. Do you remember when every fucking television show had that song in it? And I think maybe a few years earlier, mm-hmm. it was that song, Suddenly I See, <laughs> This Is What I, I Wanna, wanna be. be. That song was in every movie. I, uh, I... That woman, that she would never need to write another song. I don't think she has. I think she was just it like, It was oh, in every sick. ad as well. Everything. KT Turnstall. Everything. Was um she was a MySpace superstar. She also did the. Oh really? I wish I was a punk rocker. With was it? Was that her? No, that's Sandy Tom. Oh, I'm so sorry. Don't don't you dare. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, I wish I was a punk, punk rocker, rocker with, with flowers in my hair. Was that meant to be about like hippies saying that hippies had a punk attitude? Because you do realise they were very close together on the timeline of uh, alt alt movements and and were kind of counterculture to each other, don't you? You idiot, Sandy, <laughs> you idiot. Sandy. I have you no idea up, where we were. Where is it? Like, we need a guest to like get us back on track. <laughs> Need a moderator. No, I was going to say about Sympathy for the Devil, right? So Sympathy for the Devil, I know, was in a million billion movies, right? Mm. Because uh, it it was so expensive. It was used so much. Every filmmaker wanted to use that song so much that it cost, I think, a million dollars to include it in your film. You had to have a million dollar soundtrack budget to put that song in your film. And the reason I know that is because what's the one with um, Johnny Depp where he wears the hat and the glasses and the little cigarette? 
Fear and Loathing. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas in the book, which is one of the few books I've finished, he um, he listens to that song on loop. Like the, the, in the... What? Tr- <laughs> Suddenly I See! Yes. Uh, he he <laughs> alternates between me. Suddenly I See by KT Turnstall, Punk Rocker with Flowers in My Hair by Sandy Tom and Chasing Cars <laughs> by Snow Patrol. <laughs> He goes, I went to Las Vegas, but first I had to put, I put some ketamine in my asshole. But suddenly then, I see. When suddenly KT Turnstone comes onto the car. <laughs> um, no. Why the hell it means so much to me? No, no, no. He was listening to Sympathy for the Devil. <laughs> and um, I'm glad you're having a good time, Mish. Oh, it's so funny, Zach, what we just did there. <laughs> I put some ketamine up my asshole. <laughs> but before I did, I turned on the radio. Seven and six did nine. Revolution was in the air. Oh, guys, genuinely, if you're listening to this podcast and that didn't make you laugh, what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> That's the funniest thing. I mean, it's like I have ever done. It on didn't a really make me laugh, but it made Mish laugh so much. <laughs> that is the no, funniest thing we've ever done. That's very. Zach and I have known each other now for ten years. Yeah, and I've never found us funnier than just right now. <laughs> the idea of that of that book, Fear and Loathing, or in that Las movie, Vegas. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, to the soundtrack of. of KT Turnstall. <laughs> That's so funny. That's very good. Oh fuck. Oh, so anyway, sorry, the mo- that song was so expensive because of fucking movies like uh, like The Fan, um, just using it without really needing to, just because it was a cool song. That yeah. when they made the movie of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, they couldn't afford the song. It's like a key song in the book and it's not in the movie because they couldn't afford it. And I think that's just a fun little story. Yeah. That's a great story. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I love um, that story. How about those? How about the cast of this film, though, Mish? Um, yes. Amazing. Firstly, um, back to back, Wesley Snipes and Legs. So this is what I'm talking about. We've got – I'm on a journey now where I don't think I've I, – Admittedly, here's a little bit of a shame hat thing. Not shame, who cares? I've never seen any of the Blade movies. And oh, yes, nerds. Of that. Yes, nerds. That includes Blade 2. I downloaded <laughs> it onto my PlayStation and I haven't watched it yet. I know, Benicio del Toro directed it. Mm-hmm. But I've never really seen much of Wesley Snipes. And I'm seeing now that he's a very, 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 very good actor. Yeah. He is. He is a very good actor, but a bit of a prick from I've what heard I've that. from what I've, I've read. Yes. From what I've read from like the tabloids, mm-hmm. and you can't believe everything you read in the tabloids. And I say that now with my Netflix series coming out. You can't believe everything. Oh, Mish, know that. What have you done? Well, you never know. A tabloid might come out about me now. What have you done? And if that happens, feel free. If okay, so if you're from the if you're from Woman's Day or the Daily Mail, too. <laughs> Similar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, anything with a day in the title. Anything with a day. If you're Charlie um, Day. If you if you uh, <laughs> hear something about me that you uh-huh. think 
is controversial, contact my podcast partner for direct quotes for a very small fee. <laughs> very small. Very small fee. Very small fee. He'll charge you next to nothing. I'll charge you and next to nothing. And we can cut this part if, if this is actually bad for us. No, it's fine. Uh, I don't care. Okay, fucking sick. Um, I Fuck Woman's Day. But... No, I heard from the Woman's Day. Woman's Day hates Wesley Snipes. No, I've heard he's quite a rude dude. But, you know, but then off... Look, I don't know enough. I don't know enough. I know that he was mad about being replaced by... um, uh, Being replaced by two um, mediocre, attractive white people in Blade Mm -hmm. 3. Uh, which, which, which at the time was like, he's a diva. But, like, when I, when you look at that, it's like, oh, no, that is pretty shitty. No, I read that he's a, a bit of a dick because he, like, steals cars and punches people. Oh, okay. But he's um, very good. And also, I, I didn't read this, but I heard mm-hmm. um, that he, after doing Two Wong Fu, went on lots of, lot, like, lots of kind of anti-LGBTQI rants oh. because he was um, he was labelled as potentially gay. Because of the movie, right. Because of the movie, because he's an actor in a film. So I'm um, watching this movie. he did do um, White Men Can't Jump. And, Which is, and he's just really and that's very good. Movie. He's very good. Yeah. So I so I'm watching the credits, right? And it's like um it's Robert De Niro doing So I'm like, okay, Robert De Niro, Wesley Snipes, oh that's great. John Leguizamo, oh well I knew he was in it. A young Benicio del Toro, excuse me, Ellen Barkin, hello. Yeah. And then a bunch of other people. But it but was like in Whoa. and amongst the bunch of other people, Zach, did you see this in the no. first like five or ten minutes? There's a baby Jack Black. Yes! Like, and it was weird because I'm like, oh, Jack Black's in this movie. And then he never shows up again. No. He was essentially an extra. He was close to. Close was to a- an extra. I think he had one line and the camera was on him for like maybe three seconds. It's and a- I was like, oh, cool. Jack Black's in this movie. Yeah. But then he never shows up again. I'm like, oh, hold on. Was this movie just before his career took off? Yeah. Yeah. Because it would have been so close to when Jack Black's career took off. In fact, I would. Wasn't Jack Black Jack Black in the mid 90s? Nah, it was more the late 90s, early 2000s for Jack Black. That's my what opinion. Was his big, what was his big career? It was a combo moment? of his uh, band, Tenacious D. Um, mm. He also, uh, you know, was in movies such as High Fidelity, Shallow Howl, School of Rock. These were all in the early 2000s. High Fidelity, of course, 2000, Shallow Howl. Oh, wow, Howl, Zach, 01. your knowledge on film is so vast. Um, you know, and, and, and this is the thing. So, obviously, he was working quite a lot with, um, with his, his band. Now, I think it was, he was in stuff in the late 90s. He was in things and he was in quite a lot. I think he was known in the industry and to comedy fans, but he mm. became a big deal around the shallow how kind but of But how 2000s. much would Jack Black have been shitting his pants to be doing a movie with Robert De Niro? Oh, I'm, oh my God. Like, it's like I'm in a scene with no, Robert De Niro wasn't in that scene, but he's like, I'm in a scene of a movie where Robert De Niro's in it. Yeah. With Ellen Barkin. Come on. Yeah. Insane. Come on. Mm. And yeah. John, okay. And now let's just quickly address the legs. He yeah. is in it and, and he's. He is a typical Leguizamo character in the sense that he is sidekick legs. Side sidekick legs. Sidekick legs. We like there's a lot of sidekick legs in the in John Leguizamo's filmography, and to me this is just another sidekick legs. Um, he plays like I said the manager whose name is Manny. Mm-hmm. Like that is the most like 
there's no creativity behind that really, is there? No, but what I will say though that I, I found to be a joy is usually when I saw him as the manager sitting next to him on the in the car, I was like, here we go. We'll see him for two scenes in Act One and then we'll loop back around to him at the end because that's the Leguizamo pattern I'm over. Uh-huh. It's like you get he's always in the first couple of scenes and you're like, yum, yum, yum. Legs is in this film. It's a sidekick. And then he's just not in it for another 50 minutes. Yeah. He is a sidekick, but he's in it a bunch. Yeah. He's in yeah, it but like, But also, like, what a bullshit character arc. Nothing mm. happens for yeah, him. Yeah, no, that's fair. Like, nothing happens for him. It's not like he's literally there to serve Wesley Snipes' character, um, mm. which I'm sure if Wesley Snipes has an ego as big as the tabloids say, mm-hmm. he was probably very happy about post Tu Wong Fu. Mm-hmm. That his, you know, co- actor was now his sidekick mm. um but no i just felt what like if he if got look- him the role what if he said you know i was just with a guy i was just with a in a movie with a guy who's great he could be a great for the manager oh, that would be nice that would make me feel good about wesley let us know if you know if you're a listener and you know the answer to that question. wesley snipes wesley snipes if you're listening to this <laughs> can you let us know if you got john lepizano the role in the fan like but- we think it's possible that Maybe that's something you would do. And, dude, if you did, let us know because, like, we'll feel a lot better about you and I will retract my previous statements about you being a cunt. If you're listening, Wesley Snipes, um, yeah, that would be so sick if you could let us know. (laughs) Um, My question to you, Mish, is, um, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, just how, like, fucked was the last 20 minutes of this movie for you? (laughs) On a scale of one to ten, I give it nine and a half solid Robert De Niro's dressed up as an umpire. <laughs> like, I think the game with these movies, right, is how can we start how can we start with like a psychological this is the nineties thriller game. It's like we're gonna start we're gonna take the, the, the structure of a Robert De Niro Martin Scorsese film. This the a man slowly losing his sanity. That that's often the pattern, right? How can we start with a man who is just having a hard time? Mm-hmm. Start with a man who has toxic masculinity in him but is no different to every fucking person you know um, that is a bit like that, right? And how can we get him to, and you know, usually, usually like in the 70s it, with the good movies, with the taxi drivers, it's like how can we get him to murderer? Mm-hmm. But they were like, how can we get him to um, kidnapping the child of the baseball player and the exchange being or the ransom being that he's going to go out and get a home run, but <laughs> but he can't tell the people pitching because he'll be able to tell if it's an easy throw. And then when he gets the home run, if he doesn't get the home run, the kid dies. But if he gets the home run, he, he will um, put, put a picture of Robert De Niro on the big screen uh, and then that picture. And then he'll say, I want to dedicate this to Gil, my number one fan. And then we watch the whole final game pretty much like a sports movie pretty much just like oh I hope he gets that home run <laughs> but with the layer of because his kid will die so we're now watching it's, the 
It just completely throws away the moral of the story as well. What I love is the concept that the ride, like in the writing room, let's say there was like a couple of people writing this film. There wasn't. Mm. <laughs> this was like half a person. Wrote okay, this. well, there's a dude who wrote this movie. No, no, plain. And there's, was, a, there's was, a writer's room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So there's a writer's room. Yeah. And the, they. They had the concept for this film, like, this film's going to be fucking sick. Yeah. An obsessed sports fan, and we've already signed Robert. Like, fuck yeah, this film's going to be sick. So let's go the trajectory. Oh, my God, that's so amazing. Oh, my God, yep. So, oh, his his ex-wife is going to try and keep him from his son. That makes him go insane. Oh, amazing. Oh, Wesley Snipes is jealous of Benicio Del Toro's character. Oh, my God, that's a perfect opportunity for Gil to kill Benicio Del Toro because he's obsessed with him. Amazing. Great. How are we going to end this movie? Fuck, I don't know. What are we going to do? How are we going to end this film? All right, okay, hold on. Um, let's say he kidnaps his son. That's yeah. great. And then he gets caught. It's like, but that's not enough about sports then. And this is a sports film. He can't just kidnap the son. All right, cool. So what about he kidnaps the son and says, if you don't do something at this game for me, I'm going to kill your son. They're like, okay, well, what can he do? Something sporty. It has to be sporty. So, home run. <laughs> home run. Home run. If he gets a home run, his son won't die. All right, that's sick. Okay, that's sick. But we need to also like show that um, it's about the sports for Robert De Niro because we have to humanise this fucking psychopath. Okay, we'll make him dedicate it to him at the end. We'll stand up and be like, this is for my number one fan. That's perfect. All right, great. Now that we've got that, but how are we going to add the layer of um, Robert De Niro getting caught though, because like we've oh, got the drama of the home run. Fuck. Um. Um. Oh. All right. I don't know. Okay. Let's just dress him up as the the. I think it's an umpire. Is that the dude oh, who the, squats down behind? Yeah, I have no idea what that person is. Zach yeah. and I don't play sports. No. <laughs> the guy squatting down. But he's right? the he's the uh, he's the wicket. He's the yeah, man he's the wicket. wicket. <laughs> he's the man wicket. We'll dress him up. All right. Cool. How did he get there though? Like, how did he get in uniform and on? It, oh, fuck, no one's going to ask that question. No one's going to ask how he got there. We'll just put him there. Well, I'm fucking asking. Here, how here the is fuck, Mish. She's asking. How the fuck did Robert De Niro's character, Gil, get the uniform, pass security to get out onto the fucking Giants baseball And let's pitch? note, they're, they're every, they would have more police... More so security because there's a psychopath on the loose. Yeah. So everyone's aware that there is a psychopath wanting to kill Wesley Snipes' son. But somehow he gets out onto the pitch. Somehow he gets no, into the stadium. Into the stadium. But he's also making a phone call from the stadium without a mask or anything. He calls them and is like, oh, shit's going to get fucked. And, and there's a bit where he's just there. There's a bit where he's on the phone and she's like, can you see me? And it's like. They should at that point just be able to go, he's in this bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's in this bit. <laughs> but also, like, he looks up and, he goes, and there's all these people running around picking up documents and flailing about. It's like, get out there. <laughs> like, why are all of you? Why are there three dozen of you in the fucking members box? <laughs> anyway, it was fucking weird. I, w- I would recommend watching the movie. I, I had that. a great time. I, I'm really fun. struggling. I'm really struggling to give this. Like, I'm so glad we don't have to give stars here because, like, I really liked the first half. I think that even though there were bits of it that were, like, cool and kind of... It wasn't endorsing his actions. It wasn't that. It was a lot of fun. All the actors were really good. Out? No, no, I'm just saying, like, just no, generally speaking... <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, it's time. But I was just going to say, like, I, I, I think there's an element with this whole film where it's like, this is like the ultimate of fucking hell I would love a remake of this movie. Yeah. Like this movie with a bit, like, with a little bit less genre restriction or a little bit less of the... Sp- We've had films mm. like... I know that Moneyball is a completely different movie, but Moneyball demonstrates that you can make a sports movie that doesn't have, like, if he gets this shot, like, yes. with a little bit less... But also of- Money Moneyball's also just a true story. <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm talking more about you can do a sports movie without the... Sp- what I found amazing is that this film, which is it, the stock standard, like, descent of Robert De Niro still ends with a, I hope he gets this shot. Like, it's yeah. like an executive sat down and was like, well... This is a sports movie. Yeah. It's also like I think every movie in the 90s, they just tacked on an extra 20 minutes that ruins the movie. Every movie. Well, that's how I felt about the first half of this movie was there was a lot. Like when I said the first half of this movie felt like a sports management documentary, Mm -hmm. there was just a lot of drivel, drivel bullshit about who's worth a certain amount of money more than the next person. A lot of, like, sports politics, which I'm sure is fascinating to certain groups of people, but not me. Not Mish. <laughs> not I, me. I like Dr. Phil. I'm really... Have you seen... Have you seen um, uh, the one I was just talking about? Moneyball? Yeah. Did you like Moneyball? Yeah, I love Moneyball. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Did you like it? Yeah, I love, love it. It's one of my favourite movies. I love movies that are, like, about sport that aren't, like... I love a good sporty film. I'm fascinated by sports culture. Yeah, yeah. Think- and, and that's what I think this film had. It had a bit of an outside looking in, you know. I reckon a lot of... There'd be a lot of gills that would watch this movie and be like, thank God I'm not a psycho like him. It's like, mm-hmm. no, this movie's about you, man, because you're a prick well- to your son. When you go to the game and you swear in front of him, you asshole. Well, yeah, and that's why I think I was like, oh, the first half is boring. The second half is great is because I'm sure this film was amazing for people who are really into sports and thrillers, but I'm only into thrillers. <laughs> so, like, I like that's where it kind of, like, got a bit lost for me. That being said, though, touching on sports culture really, really quickly before we finish up. Yeah. I uh, spent the – like, I was nine years old when I moved from Tassie to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And while I lived in Tassie, there was no sport. Like, not in my family anyway. There was just no, like, sporting events. I think there was some basketball every once in a while, but nothing really. Um, And then when we moved to Melbourne, I was hit with that AFL culture real Mm. hard. And that concept of you need to have a team if you live in Melbourne. Like, you're not a true Melbournian until you have an AFL team. And I got one, Geelong Cats, thank you very much. We didn't win the grand final. Um, But... I was so fascinated with that concept of sports culture and about how it bonds people and how it's like such a way of life for so many people. And I just find that so interesting. And that this film touches on a big element of it that I find really fascinating, which is that concept of bond, like, like if we're talking men here, fathers bonding with their children, they do it through sport. Yeah, I, I think that that's I, that's, I think, if I were to get like serious. Not serious, whatever, like whatever, fucking whatever, whatever. <laughs> um, just say what you want. <laughs> no, I think it was just like, it, it's interesting to me that you thought the first half was boring. If we were like um, Sunrise, it would be like a debate here where I'm like, well, I loved it. And you'd be like, well, I hated it. But we aren't like that. But I, I loved hate it. this film. What's that? 
I did not hate this film. No, I no, this I'm film. T- that's what I'm saying. Like, but I, I, uh, I find it really interesting what you're saying about the first half of the film because I, I really liked the first half of the film. I thought the first half of the film was re- like I was like, oh, the, this is a really interesting movie, and it, and then I, halfway through, I googled and I saw that it got really bad reviews. I was like, this is a really like interesting exploration of. For me, the toxic side of sports culture and the toxic side of those father-son relationships and the toxic mm-hmm. side of that, like this, this, uh, um, you know, it's called the fan. And I think it's not just sports. It's also games. Recently, there was this, this video game that got delayed by like 11 days. And like the ownership that fans have over art, yeah. you look at Star Wars and how fucking gross the fans have been about that. Like we're very lucky; we have beautiful fans, and we love them all. But there are a lot of um, a lot of fans of a lot of. There's this thing, like there's this thing in fandom and fan culture that men do. It's a male thing. We do it where we feel like we own it and we possess it and we take it and it's ours and we're awful about it. And mm-hmm. it's like, no one's having fun. We take the thing that we love and we just, we just destroy it. We destroy it for ourselves. And often now with the internet and everything, we destroy the thing. Star Wars has gone to shit now, largely because of this possessive fandom and I think that's just really interesting that, that there's like, and I think that layer to the movie, which was very like articulate in the first hour and really comes back to it. The final shot, it, it zooms up on this photo of him as a child and he's happy. He, he loves this sport. It makes him happy. And I hear that rhetoric so much, but then I also just see the way that we as men Take it and wreck it. We do it with everything, whether it's society, country, but we do that. Like it's so, and as an exploration of that, I thought it was really, really interesting. It is a shame that the last 20 minutes was about getting a home run to save his boy. <laughs> That's really interesting though. Like I, what you did, I, I, that might be one of my favorite rants that you've been on because I'd never really. I think because I went into this with Whispers in the Dark, Sexy Thriller glasses Yeah. On, that's why I didn't have that adverse reaction to it. Like that, sorry, that reaction to it. Um, yeah, I just think that that's really interesting what you've just said. I, I got the toxic masculinity stuff. I saw that. But I wanted this movie so badly to be something else because that's what I, the, the assumption I put on it, I guess. But um, on top but of also that. But also that bullshit. With the, on it, but honestly, that stuff with the whole like, this guy's worth this much money and, oh, if we trade him out for this, we can do that. They did that for like an hour. And it was like, I don't care about that shit. I want, to see, I want to see Robert De Niro shake hands with Wesley Snipes while grimacing <laughs> and, like, and threatening him. But that's very that. true. That's very, very true what you're saying. The, for me, it was one of those things that, like, I've sat through those conversations. You don't like an hour of that. I've been through 20 years of it. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's like, it's the, those conversations, that is what the, like, it, it's just yeah. this toxic, like, he's not worth 40 million. I know this, I know that. It's it's this, this, this. Yeah, I don't know. It's The other thing I would say is it, it's, no, no, this is probably too big of a rant. But it's like, it also makes sense that you wouldn't, like, it's it's why uh, diversity of storytellers is so, so important, mm. is so, so important, because 
that's a story that resonates for me as a as a male that grew up in a in like the, as a male that grew up in a in male and you know in a certain area. Mm. That's that's a story for me. It resonates for me maybe in ways. But then something like a uh, Ladybug. I really love that film, but maybe that would resonate for you more than it would Lady for me. Ladybird, Ladybird, sorry, would resonate deeper for you. And I think that's it's it's actually a great example of like most movies are made for me. Yeah, but also like I never had sports culture thrown at me like it was something I had to embrace. Whereas I think a lot of men have that, like yeah. that expectation that you should be embracing sports culture because you are a male. Yeah. Like, um, whereas I don't have that. I can take it or leave it. If I take it, I'm kind of cool and sexy. But if I choose not to, that's totally fine because of my vagina. Um, so I didn't, I guess I didn't have that kind of, um, yeah, I never had that. I never had that pressure to have to get into sports. It's yeah, very true. But I mean, it's also true as well of like, as a male, I love to go, oh, it's so meh, meh, meh. But it's like, I do it with. Fucking, I, I do it with Disney parks. Like, I watch certain Disney park YouTubers be like mm. this, where they're like, I think they shouldn't have done that. And I'm like, yeah. And it's like, what? Just chill we the all fuck have the, out, guys. We <laughs> all have things that we wank over. Like, we do all have things that we feel like. Like, if someone tried to get <laughs> this, it's very telling. If someone tried to outsmart me on a Midsummer Night's Dream, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> so you can have your baseball culture. You can fucking have your fucking uh, NBA or you can have your, yeah, what? well, your New York Knicks. You can have them. I have a Midsummer Night's Dream by William Shakespeare. And that's, no, but I wank over that. If someone tries to say, oh, this was happened in a Midsummer Night's Dream, I'm like, fucking didn't, bitch. Because I know that play at the back of my fucking hand. Um, we all have things we wank for. Um, before- I just think that there's some things that are slightly more toxic than others and one of them is sporties. <laughs> um, before we go to the Leguizamo score, um, would, would I be able to just make like a recommendation? It's, it's, a, it's a YouTuber that doesn't need a recommendation because they are significantly more famous than either of us. Like significantly more. I don't know, Zach. I have a Netflix series. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, she's more famous than 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 you with your Netflix series. Um, but there's just one video that I think actually it's a really strange link and I almost can't be bothered explaining it. But all this talk about fandom and male fandom and all of those things reminded me of, have you heard of Jenny Nicholson, a YouTuber? She's a, she's most, I think a lot of our listeners will know who, who she is or will have seen her videos, but she literally just does vlogs like down the webcam vlogs. Um, And she did one, it's an hour and 10 minutes long. It was called The Last BronyCon. I'm looking at it now. The Last BronyCon, a fandom autopsy. It's an hour and 10 minutes. It's like like a masterpiece of vlog, if that makes sense. It's like she's taken vlogs and taken it to the next level. And it's, I think, the best dissection of what I was trying to say. It's all about male fans of My Little Pony. You know, bronies. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with bronies. This video, she, like, dissects it. Can you send it to me? Yeah, I will. And and, ple- and maybe we'll share a link to it um, because it is, like, it's it, it's it's so good about uh, just about how we take oh. and we ruin. <laughs> I'm obsessed with bronies. I will say this, though, just very, very quickly before we get into our Legostamos, um, that... I think that it isn't just male fandom. I think they're very different, but female fandom is incredibly 
debilitating for Is a it? lot of women because hundred percent, it's all about like. I wish I looked like her. Yeah. I wish I owned what she has. Like if you look at Kardashian culture, right? I'm not, and I'm not shitting on the Kardashians. Like I'm not a fan. Like as in I don't watch them and I couldn't tell you enough about them. I've never watched an episode of their shit and I don't follow them on any social media. But if you have a look at that kind of like the revolution that was the Kardashians, it's like the, the desperate need to look a certain way or to own a certain thing or to say a certain thing sound like – a women like and this has been happening for generations years and years and years and years but like female fandom is very much that kind of like i have to be that it's not it's not good enough just for me to love that or to appreciate that i must be that and if i am not that then i am not good enough and it would be very easy for someone like me to be like oh no nah, man you are good enough just ignore like 95% of ads that are on television and just like you know what i mean people like uh marketing feeds into female fandom this kind mm. of idea, it's this a, concept. It's, a very, of- it's, it's interesting. Like I don't want to uh, dig too deep because I just, I just make funny podcasts and videos, but it is interesting how male fandoms take ownership of the product mm. and female fandoms use the product to like the, what you're describing. It's interesting. The difference, the product owns the woman. Yeah, or there's yeah, there's this sense of like this is mine and it that needs to good. be that. I'm sorry, that was fucking good. <laughs> Men want to own the product, but the product owns the woman. Watch the last Brony Con. I give this movie four Leguistamos. Holy shit! He's in really? it a bunch. Um, it like like it's got he's in it a bunch. He's like there all the time. It's sexy, sexy Luigi. It's got. Like I'm, it, it's helping me discover Wesley Snipes. Benicio del Toro is worth uh, Leguizamo. Like Benicio del Toro is like, like so. I love Benicio del Toro. Ever since Twenty One Grams, I've been obsessed with Benicio del Toro. He's got that same kind of like whateverness, you know. I just, I'm just, you know, yeah, cool. I'm in this movie. Alan Barkin loved it. Four, four, four Leguistamos. Holy shit. I'm, well done. Okay, cool. Um, mine is more so that, like, it's based off uh, how they utilised the legs. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the legs. The fact that he was in it, instantly you get a couple of legs. Um, what I didn't love was that he, his character arc was not good. Mm. Like, if, if, you were man, if, if this was real life, mm-hmm. Manny, I don't know what, what goes on with Manny. He just comes in and gives Wesley Snipes lots of money in interviews. Um, so, yeah, I just don't, I don't think that there was a lot of thought put into his character. But it is, however, Sexy Luigi, which so far arguably is my favourite legs. Absolutely. Um, it's the well, sexy. sexy. Luigi. He's sexy. He's, he's, he's sexy. not baby anymore. He's, he's a confident performer. Yeah. And he's sexy. sexy Although Dad Guazamo is sexy in a way. Yeah. And because of the last 20 minutes of this film with the weird home run, kill your son umpire thing, you gain like an extra legs just for that. Because <laughs> that's the kind of shit that yum, 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 eat it up, fucking lick the plate. You lose Delicious. a star, but you gain a legs. Fucking Jesus Christ. I would lap it up. Like a fucking golden retriever. Oh my so god, good. that tickles um, three, me so three much. Legs, three leg with Starmos from me. Three leg with Starmos. That tickles me so. I can't express to you how much I thought you were going to dock a legs, a leg with Starmo for for that. No, and you've it. added it. You're absolutely right. 
Yeah. We're talking like Wastamos here. Um, <laughs> so good. That finale, more than anything, I love that finale because the whole point of the movie is it's about perfection. It's a, like there's mm-hmm. this whole layer about perfection and, and both characters are all about perfection and blah, 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 blah. And then he starts being good again because he gives up on the idea of perfection. He stops fucking burning himself up and he, he lets go. And then he's like, I'm going to kidnap your son and prove to you that it's actually about giving a shit. And then he gets the home run. And it's just one of those beautiful last 20 minutes of every thriller where they just throw out the point of the movie in order to yeah. have the big end. Like, oh, it's like- it was just, it was the most delicious. <laughs> I, I still say that Whispers in the Dark is still my favourite sexy thriller that I've watched in a very long time. Mm. But that last 20 minutes of The Fan... It just beautiful. becomes a sports movie, but with the yeah. highest stakes ever. I, I fu- oh, it's beautiful. I fully delicious. agree with you. It's very, 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 very funny. Very I, funny. I, yeah, I, I can absolutely see what you're saying here. Um, I'm trying Are you to read a review out for us. I am going to read a review, and then I believe you've got a comment as well. I do have a comment. So my partner shared this on her Instagram account. So you've possibly already read this review. Okay. Have you read this review, Mish? I don't think oh, so. Oh, you no. must have missed it. Oh, this is very funny. This is very, very funny. I was going to read it at the top of the podcast and then pretend to be all shitty about it, but I couldn't be bothered. Go for it. Uh, it's titled, it's by Zoe Dalziel. Yeah. Um, it's five stars and it's titled Mish and that guy Annie's dating. This podcast... <laughs> This podcast is incredible. From the wonderful dark comedy play The Hitman, Mish Witchrup is an extremely talented and beautiful writer, actor, comedian, and now podcaster. Mish is joined by that guy Annie is dating, Zane or something. Listen as Mish wonderfully and comedically reviews films while Zach, spelt Z-A-K, repeats jokes that Annie has made to him. If you love Mish and have been wanting more Mish content, this is the podcast for you. And then to be safe, she said some nice things. Said genuinely, I love you both so much. This podcast makes my day, and I love hearing about one pot pasta and lemmings. You're both extremely talented, and I really appreciate the time and effort that goes into this podcast. Thank you. But oh really, God, that Zoe, first that was paragraph so good. Isn't that just delicious? I don't know why, but that just seems to be the best review ever written ever. (laughs) I love that so much. I don't think, I won't read the comments today just because I think we should just end on that happy note. Just save that. And it's fitting. It's fitting because of my Netflix series. (laughs) (laughs) Could something like that get, get. No, look, honestly, Zoe, thank you so much for, um, thank you so much for that feedback. I've now decided to go full Ted Hughes and I will no longer be crediting Annie for the content she gives me. Um, Thank you so much, Mish. Like I said, uh, I, like anyone with their head screwed on, is going to go and watch your um, series, binge it uh, this weekend uh, and tell all my friends about it because if you're a fan of Mish and you're a big enough fan of Mish to be listening to this fucking two and a half hours, then, then I know that, that you'll really appreciate their support of, you, of people getting on the, getting uh, on the Netflix, Netflix, getting that algorithm cooking and telling their friends. That's exactly right. So jump onto Netflix, guys. Type in my Netflix series, which is Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. Um, you play the Auntie Donna. Yeah. And the I nephews. I am the, I am the Auntie Donna. Um, and just so everyone knows, Zach is incredibly proud of me. I am so proud of you, Mish. Um, and I'm so proud of you. Our little Leguizamis. 
Uh, little leg wasami. That one's not going to catch on. I hate that so much. <laughs> fuck that. Bye, Mish. Absolutely fuck that. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.